Strip Supply acknowledges the traditional owners of the land we have recorded this podcast on, the Yagara and Turrbal people. We pay our respects to the elders past, present and emerging. What is up, Stripped fam? Welcome back to the Stripped Pod, your weekly diabetes fix, where we strip back the stigma for real, honest conversations about life beyond the numbers. I'm Ash, a passionate diabetes advocate and founder of Strip Supply. And I'm Braden, the co-host without a working pancreas. Coming up on today's pod, we're chatting to Strip Supply's resident diabetes educator and sports dietitian, Nicole, who has over 10 years experience in dietetics across Australia and New Zealand. While practicing as a dietitian, Nicole found a particular interest in diabetes and went on to become a credentialed diabetes educator. So today, we're chatting to Nicole about her experience as a diabetes educator and also what she wishes more people would ask her in their sessions. Mm. But first, Brayden, how was your week? Ashley, my week has been great. My weekend was superb. One word, Brisbane. I thought you were going to say Second word, sport. Yeah. (laughs) Hey, how about it? Lions, Broncos, both in grand finals. I am so pumped for this. It is a great week to be a Brisbaneite, that's for sure. It was a great weekend of sport. Oh, gosh. It it is. It's so good to see just two Brisbane teams dominating the national codes. Apart from the footy, I I went for a float on Friday night in a float tank, which was really nice, just to sort of unwind from the week. Lovely. Um, which was a nice way to just relax. And then um, went to Hijinx Hotel, which was also a lot of fun at Chermside. So um, I would recommend that to anyone who's listening. But how was your weekend, Ashley? Yeah, my weekend was good. Had a busy couple of weeks, so I too just took some time off, went to the beach. Mm. Went and saw a musical. How was the weather at the beach? Oh, it was absolutely not beach weather. <laughs> it's been... Might have rained. The weekend was terrible, wasn't it? It was terrible, but got a sausage sizzle, so I can't oh, complain. happy days. Love a good sausage sizzle. I do actually have one question yeah. for you, Brayden. Mm. How often do you think about the Roman Empire? <laughs> uh, is this a TikTok thing, Ashley? No, never. No? No. I can safely say that... I probably think about what is at the bottom of the ocean way more than I think about the Roman Empire. Oh, that's such a relief. I, it does not cross my mind at all. So have you seen this trend going around? I have heard about it, yes. Yes, yep. yeah. It's, I ask now every male that I see, yep. I ask them if, how often they think about the Roman Empire. What's the most common response? Yes. Really? Yes. People actually think about the Roman Empire. Yes, and then I proceed to ask, well, when do you think about it? What part of the Roman Empire? Most people think about it weekly. Most men think about it weekly. Yes. Wow. Mm Mm-hmm. So, that I mean, blows I my mind. It might be a little bit of a green flag for you, Brandon, <laughs> that you don't think about the Roman Empire. There's a win. Woohoo. Oh. Uh, Ashley. Yes. I have an update. Mm-hmm. Pre workout situation that we spoke about last week on the pod. So, what has happened since last week? Uh, we created a reel and posted it on Instagram um, asking for people's comments to see if anyone's had the same experiences. Mm hmm. Some great comments. Yes, I was honestly, you found your people. I was terrified I was going to get roasted. I thought people were going to be like, you're an idiot. Why don't you know this? No, but, we're a loving community. Um, what have we got? We've got a few who say caffeine. So coffee makes me go a bit higher due to the cortisol release, I believe. So maybe pre-workout is doing that, but on a more concentrated level. Uh, we've got caffeine. Um, we've got 
I find that caffeine can push my BGL up disproportionately to the amount of carbs and the pre-workout would have been full of caffeine, right? Mm. How interesting is that? I did some research. Ooh. So, the pre-workout that I take obviously has a lot of caffeine in it. Mm-hmm. I also Googled and caffeine does increase your blood sugar level. Well, there you go. Did you know that before? I, honestly, I did not. Oh, you learned something new. Shout out to the stripped community (laughs) because you guys have taught me something there about caffeine and pre-workout. We also have one person say two scoops, damn. (laughs) Yeah, I do think maybe you might be overdoing it on the (laughs) pre-workout. Hey, look, I'm a big boy. I've got to take a bit more pre-workout, all right? Okay. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so caffeine. So, that's a fun fact for this week. Caffeine, we love fun facts. We do, yes. Caffeine does raise your blood sugar Caffeine levels. Caffeine does. Now, do you have a fun fact? Well, I do. Hey. Did you actually know that there are over 40 factors that can influence your blood sugar levels? Are you serious? It's not just food and exercise. Oh, God. And so, I heard that you were pretty surprised about caffeine. I was. Affecting. So, I thought I'd bring another one to you. Mm. Did you know that dehydration... Uh, can actually Are you serious? Uh, affect your blood sugar levels. Yeah. So, dehydration. Yeah, dehydration. So mild to moderate dehydration can cause your BGLs to run a little high. No. And that's because your there's not as much water in your blood, so your blood glucose is more concentrated and it's more high. So if you're ever feeling like you've got a bit of a stubborn high, maybe down some water. I almost just fell off my chair for anyone that's listening. <laughs> So I think Are there probably serious? could have been, yeah, I think there could have been like a few things at play yeah. with your with your run that you talked about. Yeah. Like obviously you don't seem like the kind of person who chugs a glass of lemon water as soon as you wake up. I might surprise you. No, I don't. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, there's actually over 40 factors that affect blood glucose levels. And I'm reading this straight from a module that our diabetes educator wrote. Yeah, awesome. So we actually had a couple of diabetes educators that reached out. We had Ashley from Melbourne reached out, diabetes educator. She also mentioned caffeine Uh probably played a big part. Um, Also double check to see what type of protein is in the pre-workout, if there's any lactose or lactase. Tell you what, when you're running, the last thing you want is the lactose. Yeah, we'll leave that one. (laughs) You are laughing so hard at your own joke. Very cool stuff. But let's dive into today's episode. Let's do it. Nicole, welcome to the Strip Pod. We are so excited to have you. So tell us a little bit about what you do in your own words. Uh, what is a diabetes educator and a sports dietitian? Thanks, Ash. So good to be here and also great to be working with Strip Supply. Um, so a diabetes educator's role is to support people who have diabetes and give them all the education, the tools and the support that they need to manage all aspects of diabetes, whether it's type 1, type 2, gestational diabetes. And um, right from the, I guess, diagnosis phase um, to any changes through their diagnosis. So might be starting insulin, it could be um, getting into sport, it could be supporting a woman through her pregnancy, um, yeah, diabetes educators are kind of there every step of the way and also just for, you know, monitoring, keeping in check um, and an opportunity to ask questions. Um, I've been a dietitian for 10 years. I did my training in New Zealand um, and then worked there for a couple of years. And since I've worked all around um, and been a sports dietitian alongside that, so the fields are a bit different. Um, dietetics is generally in like a medical field and that's where the diabetes side comes in. Uh, and then the sports 
dietitian part, you do a bit of extra training and you work um, predominantly with athletes. Um, so kind of a different style of nutrition, but in a way, the diabetes and the sports stuff ties in really nicely for me. <laughs> so you sort of, you've touched base with, like I guess, a, a wide range of people there. And of course, shout out to our friends across the ditch over in New Zealand. <laughs> yes, definitely, um, the Kiwis. Did you find much of a, yeah, um, did you find much of a, a difference between diabetes or working with people in New Zealand compared to Australia or? Mm, I don't think working with people was any different but I think there's a bit of a difference in um, how funding and subsidies work so um, opportunities are different across the ditch for example um, many kids with diabetes are eligible for insulin pumps over in New Zealand and there's criteria for people to receive insulin pumps funded by the government Um, however they don't have any CGM funding even for kids whereas over here we're very lucky to have CGM subsidized for all people with type 1 diabetes um, but the pumps are are trickier to come by um, if people need support rather than just through their private health insurance to acquire. So I think there's differences like that. Um, but in terms of the people, no, no difference. Diabetes is still the same across the ditch. <laughs> and we're all, we're all good mates, aren't we, Australians and New Zealanders? <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and I'm really interested in taking even a step back further, Nicole, and seeing, so you started off by studying dietetics. What drew you to that field and what inspired you to want to become a sports dietitian? It's very specific. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I started out wanting to be a physio, actually, and I, I do believe that I probably could have gone into either field and been happy. <laughs> I just um, really mm-hmm. had a passion for understanding and um, making the most out of the human body, um, whether that be for health. Um, and I think that's why diabetes I'm quite drawn to because um, it's all about kind of helping people to make the most of their life living with diabetes is my passion. And then from a sports perspective, it's like how far can we push these amazing bodies of ours and what's the role of nutrition in that? Because, you know, it is after all the fuel of our body. So, um, yeah, when I um, was dabbling around with what to do at uni, I ended up doing some sports nutrition papers and just found that I was, you know, incredibly attentive, not falling asleep at some moments. Um, with all the content so yeah something really clicked with me in the field of sports nutrition um and I guess especially in the metabolism side um which is what got me kind of interested in the diabetes work as well I think what's amazing about that too is is you cover almost the whole human body then you've got the sports dietetic side and then obviously being an educator a lot of that is just about mentoring and about um sort of almost being a psychologist to people with diabetes (laughs) and helping them through that so um, you know, that's sort of the, one of the main roles, I guess, of a diabetes mm-hmm. educator, isn't it? It's just talking and helping people through mentally mm-hmm. um, what it's like to live with the disease. Yeah, certainly is a big component of that. Um, and I think, you know, I've always been a teacher in my life. I've always had teacher roles, like right from swimming teaching and um, beach education, you know, back in the day, supporting high school and jobs and stuff. So I think the teaching has always been um, a big aspect too and and kind of coaching aspect. So, um, yeah, I think they tie together really nicely. Um, Yeah, and I guess I see myself as a teacher, but in kind of the medical field. Yeah, that's amazing. It's really amazing. I really love what you've said, Nicole, around seeing how far we can push our bodies and seeing, okay, what is the human body actually capable of? And I know that you love being outdoors uh, yourself in your free time. You love spending your time outside. 
what kind of ways do you push your body and how have you kind of pushed the limits of what your body can achieve? <laughs> Some may say I've probably pushed it pretty extreme. <laughs> um, but I, I guess it's all supported by my like interest in my um, in just going further faster. Not really faster. I'm not very fast. It's more the endurance side of things. So um, my sports have always included um so from the beginning, swimming and then into surf lifesaving. Um, and then I found this amazing world of multi-sport and adventure racing. And I thought, oh, geez, that's really me. Um, yeah, I went to watch one of the Godzone adventure races, which is like a five to ten day um, it's considered the pinnacle event in the world of adventure racing, where people um, go around with a map and compass literally all day and all night. You've got the days to complete the course and you kayak, raft, um, mountain bike and trek to get through the different stages. Um, so yeah, those sports kind of led me to doing adventure racing um, in the last five years in Australia. And so my biggest commitment of that has been up to about 100 hours as an event. Um, oh my goodness. Yeah. I'm exhausted <laughs> so thinking about that. Pushing the extremes. How many adventure races have you completed? Oh, um, I've done two big ones that are over a hundred hours. So that's just a hundred hours. It's just over four days. Oh, just catch <laughs> um, four days. For various amounts of sleep, one was only four hours sleep, and that did that was definitely an extreme. Um, to the other one, we got quite a bit of sleep, probably about you know, 24 hours worth of sleep in that time. Um, still less than ideal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's still not much, I've done, <laughs> I've done a few other shorter ones. So um, anywhere between three hours, there's quite short ones, to 24 hours, um, and then a couple of like 36 and 48-hour ones where wow. and they're arguably the hardest because you just don't sleep at all and you just commit to the two full days of going. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, wow. That's full on. Yeah. I'm so, tired thinking about that. I was going to say, Brayden, we're going to just <laughs> no, send you outside not. into the forest with a compass and we'll see how far you get. <laughs> we're not. <laughs> yeah. And one vial of insulin. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, it'll last maybe three days. Uh, depends how much I eat. <laughs> Probably not much if it's an adventure race. Is an adventure race to the pub, maybe. Then I'll be good at that one. I do have a little side note there that I do know people with type 1 diabetes, in particular one person who has done that God's Own event successfully, in fact, um, has been a previous winner. So anything, wow. this with type 1 diabetes is totally possible. <laughs> well, there you go. There's a great message for anyone who's listening to this. So, Brayden, no excuses. <laughs> <laughs> Not just that kidding, message. Just <laughs> uh, so, there you go. Anything is possible. With type 1 diabetes is what I'm hearing. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so getting back to the diabetes education space. So obviously, Nicole at Strip Supply, we are so, so lucky to have you working with us now on our new Strip Supply Learn platform. So people might see your face popping up with modules, uh, particularly around type 1 diabetes diagnosis, type 1 diabetes in food and carb counting. Uh, so can you tell me, as a diabetes educator, what does a regular day in the life of Nicole kind of look like? So my role is stripped and I've also got my role um, outside of stripped. So I work about th uh, three days a week at, in a private practice. And so my day on, uh, on those days would look like um, 
doing a bit of work prior to the day of clinic, I think it's really important to um, know what's coming up. And as a diabetes educator and having the dietitian side, it can be anything. So could be doing a pump star and then I could be going into um, educating someone about um, irritable bowel syndrome um, to then in the afternoon seeing someone who's new diagnosed with type 1 and needs a lot of different education like a new meter, how to test their blood sugars, what is diabetes. Um, so I think being prepared for anything that can be thrown my way in clinics is important. So I make sure I do a bit of preparation um, and then I will see people um, generally back to back all day <laughs> um, try and give them what they need on the day and then there's a bit of follow-up work usually just to make sure they get the most out of the appointment um, so it can be a really busy day but very satisfying too I was just about to ask you that how do you find you know your work do you find it satisfying do you find it exhausting how do you find it as a diabetes educator I think a bit of both and sometimes it's a, um, it always satisfying definitely um, exhausting can depend on because sometimes you do put quite a lot of work um and effort for a good reason into um or into my clients so like you were saying before Braden, with that kind of psychological support sometimes it is um a session where you're helping them to understand maybe why they can't do something like bolus on time or why someone is really struggling to um you know do certain things to help with their diabetes management it's not always simply just doing it in fact yeah. most of the time it's not so um sometimes it can take quite a bit of you know mental energy to be coaching someone through that um and then of course teaching takes a bit of mental energy i'm sure there's plenty of <laughs> child teachers out there that would um yeah go for that as well yeah shout out to the teachers out there doing god's work <laughs> Of course. Yeah. <laughs> if we um we sort of just throw it right back to the start, Nicole, how did you how did you get into diabetes education? If someone wanted to follow in your footsteps and wanted to help people out there with, with diabetes, how would someone do that? So myself personally, I studied um, to be a dietitian first, and that took, um, in Australia, I believe it takes four years. In New Zealand, it takes five. Um, so it depends where you study. Come on, Australia. But Winning be, again. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit quicker. <laughs> Smaller student loan. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, but you can do other professions before becoming a diabetes educator, not just dietetics. Um, the majority of people would go through a nursing degree first. Um, and that's um, it's generally like a bachelor level of an allied health or a nursing degree. Um, we also have podiatrists uh, and pharmacists and now optometrists and I'm probably missing out a profession here I think um, endocrinologists can become diabetes educators mm -hmm. so you need to have a prior um, qualification and then on top of that you do a one-year course to become a diabetes um, in diabetes care and education and then from there you can uh, apply to become a credential diabetes educator. Uh, so, uh, as a diabetes educator, what do you find are the things that most people ask you who are living with diabetes? What are the, the topics and the questions that seem to come up more often than not when you have a, someone sitting in front of you who's living with diabetes? Mm, that's a good question. Um, I think initially it's, you get pretty similar questions like, 
what can I eat? (laughs) Um, At diagnosis, for example, that's a very common one. Someone will ask it usually on day one, what can I eat? (laughs) Um, Can I exercise or how can I manage exercise without hypoing all the time? That's pretty Mm. common. Is is it just that I have to eat to exercise? The answer is no, by the way. Um, So (laughs) working out a plan with your diabetes educator for that's important. Um, And then uh, I guess other questions uh, what's kind of the latest technologies to help me with my diabetes? That's one which I think people are becoming more and more aware to ask, which is really cool because the diabetes and tech space is massive and it's so fast moving. Um, it's definitely a watch this space. Um, yeah, and I guess just overall, everyone is, I um, believe, generally very keen to either how can I improve my blood sugars or how can I make diabetes easier on my life? So not necessarily asking that out front, but some form of that as a question is generally what you're trying to work with people and solve every day. Mm. I can definitely understand that because I'm all about trying to make diabetes as easy as possible and as pain-free as possible for myself. So I know a lot of people out there will definitely be asking the same questions, which is really good. So. Um, yeah, absolutely. I think, yeah, definitely anyone who's listening with diabetes, definitely feel free to ask your educators these questions because they are important and it is important to make it as simple as possible to live with. And just it's funny, Nicole, you say that um, you get asked a lot about what you can eat. On the flip side, diabetics, we're always getting asked, can you eat that? So it's like, are you allowed <laughs> to eat that? Yes, of course I'm allowed to eat that. I can eat anything. But yes. like, you know, of course in moderation yeah. and... Um, with the correct yeah. carb counting. It's no wonder you start to doubt yourself, even if you know. <laughs> yeah, oh, <laughs> and absolutely. And I think we start to doubt ourselves when we get asked certain questions all the time too. Yeah, yeah. And that's why it is just make it as easy as possible as a diabetic, um, but definitely ask your educator these questions for sure. And what's something that you wish more people would ask you, Nicole? What is something, what is a part of diabetes education that you wish more people would tap into? Yeah, I, I just think probably sounding out those things again like I think although I do get those questions a lot I think there's a lot of people that go along um, feeling that their way is the only way Um, but if any way someone is feeling trapped like for example um, I sometimes see people that have had diabetes for 20 or 30 years who think the only way to prevent hypos overnight is just to pile their plate with potatoes and, <laughs> and let, drink a liter of milk overnight. And that's the only way. So I do wish people would maybe ask more about how they can be more independent with their insulin and more confident because uh, it's a, it's a condition where if you just see your team once every three months, the dose isn't going to be right for three months. It changes all the time. It changes for food. It changes for exercise. Anytime someone makes a change in their lifestyle, it's going to change dramatically. So having the tools um, and asking for the tools to, you know, what do I do when this happens and how can I feel more confident to change things myself, I think is so empowering. So I do wish people would maybe know almost that they can have that power yeah, and to ask about there's, that. There's definitely not one way to manage diabetes. There's there's no one way. It's <laughs> everyone's own individual bodies and experiences. And, um, you know, that's what I come back to is making it as simple as possible to live with diabetes, not, you know, diabetes own you as a person. Exactly. Make diabetes fit into your own life. Yeah. You don't have to fit into diabetes. Yeah, good one. 
I like that. And you don't always have to follow the first piece of advice given either. You might ask, you know, what else is there? What other options have I got? I don't really feel like doing that or I don't know if they'll work for me. What are my options? Yeah. Yeah. Questioning your health professionals too is a good idea. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely reach out to anyone in the the health world. All right, Nicole, I've got one last question for you. Do you have any tips or tricks for my fellow type 1 diabetics out there? <laughs> I think um, oh, just if it's not easy, then let's find another way. Just always ask and always inquire because there are some really easy, like some things that can make life easier these days and seek all the support you can get. Um, sometimes people just do the same old thing because it's what they know <laughs> and it feels comfortable. Yeah. Um, but sometimes, you know, um, changing up a routine or a habit or looking for a different way of doing things can make your life so much easier. Um, yeah. And shop around as well. Like find the people that really work with you. I think one great thing is that there's so many educators and endocrinologists and GPs out there that you can find someone, um, not necessarily because, you know, it might be just someone that you feel that you want to get along with and that really sort of gets you, um, so build your team around you and your support team as well, like us at Stripped here and also um, JDRF and Type 1 Foundation. There's some cool support crews around as well. Well, Nicole, it has been so amazing having you on the pod today and we're definitely going to get you back and answer uh, what I'm sure is going to be so many listener questions, potentially even just have you and Brayden have a conversation <laughs> so Brayden can ask you a million uh, questions about <laughs> his own management. Yep. Um But thank you so much for being on today and we look forward to seeing you on the Strip Supply Learn platform. Oh, thanks for having me. And um, yeah, reach out. Love to get to know the audience as well. And thanks for, uh, nice to meet you too, Brayden. Yeah, nice to meet you too. Thank you so much for joining us, Nicole. We really appreciate it. As always, nothing you hear on the Stripped Pod should be a substitute for personalised professional medical advice. Please always consult your clinician or other medical professional before making any changes to your diet, dosages or healthcare plan.